How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, and joining me, as always, is Frank Madden and Frank Emergency Pod! How are you, Frank? (laughs) I'm thrilled that we can talk about a trade, any trade, (laughs) instead of what the Bucks have been doing on a basketball court lately. So, uh, farewell to Miles Plumlee. Hello for now to Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes or Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert. I, I guess maybe Spencer Hawes. I, who's the more important player that the Bucks got back today? I have no idea. I guess maybe Spencer Hawes is because he, he could opt into a deal next year, whereas Hibbert's a straight ret- uh, expiring contract. I believe his name um, is Flex and his last name is Ability. That That's oh, the most important player. That's, I, that'd be that's my, the most important thing. That's who I would say. Yeah, um, on on the downside, um, because I think as we'll get into it, uh, this trade really kind of a, I don't know, kind of a no-brainer, sure, get out from under Plumlee's contract type move. Um, but I, I will say this, it makes me sad that Steve Novak had to be waived today in order to make room for uh, the extra player that the Bucks took back in the trade. Uh, and I'm not saying it's irrational from a, you know, cap management, whatever fiscal sense to have wanted the Bucks to sign Steve Novak for a shade under 900K, at least in terms of his cap hit. Um, he obviously, no one expected him to actually really play. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, I, I've made the case, hey, you know, nice vet to have around. He's a good shooter. Uh, I don't know. He can tell Giannis how to shoot or I don't know, whatever. Um, and of course, I've heard people say, well, yeah, just why don't you just give him a few hundred grand to be an assistant if you want him around so much? And that is very valid. But uh, I don't know. I'm nostalgic. Brown Deer's very own Steve Novak. I, I as as cold and calculating and <laughs> rational as I like to think of myself, I, I am a little sad that that Steve Novak had to be waived today. Um, I don't know. Find find some job for Steve Novak in in the Bucks organization. I like Steve Novak. I want him around. Um, but obviously, the the big news though is. Is getting out from that Plumley contract, and um, as you said, getting significantly more flexibility over the next few seasons. You know what, Frank? This is a podcast with heart, and and <laughs> yeah. and you just and you just proved that that we that we have heart, and we have we have a lot of it. So, Steve, we'll miss you until you're the Bucks shooting coach, and then we'll we'll welcome you back with open arms. Um, I, I think that'll be the interesting thing is. I would assume that it's pretty much up to Steve Novak that if he wants to try to play somewhere else, he can go and do that. But if if he's cool with his playing career being done, I would I would feel confident saying the Bucks have any sort of role open for him, whether that's shooting coach, whether that's goodwill ambassador, whether that's I don't even know 
some sort of assistant, whatever it may be. I would assume put them on put them on TV, put them on sure, TV. Sure, I mean, Scal does a nice job for the for the Celtics. You you can put Novak on there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's got to be some some way you can use him. Um, I feel. I mean, I haven't. Uh, the thing is, because I watch on League Pass, I don't really see the the pre or post game shows. So I'm I saw I caught Vin Baker a little bit and he seemed totally fine and which I I, I I like I'm rooting for Vin Baker to be yeah like I like Vin Baker I mean he was one of the first guys that I attached myself to when I was a Bucks fan in the early 90s um but uh, I, I don't know I mean there's got to be got to be some way to keep Steve Novak involved um I don't know what is what is Tony Smith doing now is he is he in what is he doing he's, he's somehow post. involved he's pretty he, he's like at halftime show or something like that I don't know um. Whatever, Steve Novak. We we turned this into the Steve Novak Appreciation Podcast, which I'm sure everybody really <laughs> wanted this to be. Just talking about Steve Novak, who never really did anything for the Bucks because he came here so late in his career. Um, I mean, I don't, I can't, um, I don't foresee him signing someplace else. I mean, you know, he's got hurt last year. He's barely played this year. I think he said over the summer it was kind of re-signing in Milwaukee, or or probably not at all. So anyway, shout so out like to I Steve said, Novak. I'll, good I'll, dude. We'll see him around. Because he'll, he'll, he'll be a shooting coach in no time. Um, so we'll see. I'll see him uh, sometimes when I'm home. We'll, we go to the uh, the pick and save and brown deer. I think that still exists. <laughs> so maybe see give Steve Novak the nod if I see him in the you know the uh, the fruit section or you know the produce section at uh, at pick and save. So anyway, shout out Steve. All right, uh, seems like uh, a good dude. So. I guess let's. Can we talk a little bit more about Steve Novak? No, okay, no, fine. we're we're done, Frank. You have been cut off of Steve Novak, um, <laughs> and you might have a restraining order as well. If someone from the organization here that hears this, uh, <laughs> you might not be able to be within fifty feet of Steve Novak. Um, all right, so I, I think the big thing is here. Uh, let's do on the court. I don't think Hibbert and Halls are not difference makers. They, I mean, Hibbert is hilariously poorly fitting uh, for this defensive scheme. Because um, if you think Greg Monroe can't get around the floor quickly enough in this scheme, well, hi, Roy, how are you doing? Um, so so that's not really going to work out. Maybe Hawes helps add another shooter to the floor a little bit, but again, I can't imagine... He really does. I had people asking me after the trade happened, are those guys going to affect Thon's playing time? And I would assume you see Thon play the way he did in Utah, that he's going to continue to to get that run. And I, I have no doubts that we'll see trial runs of Hibbert, and I'm sure there'll be a trial run of Hawes, and both those guys will get trial runs because that's kind of what happens at the center position for the Bucks. But I don't think anything really gets affected all that much. Do you? I well, let's let's be let's be clear. I mean, the, the Bucks did not acquire these two players because you know they were really hoping to have them make a big difference Correct. this season. Um, and I, I'm sure that you know, as soon as the you know trade call happened and this deal became official, um, the members of the Bucks front office, you know, John Hamm and Justin Zanuck, uh, at all were calling up teams and seeing if anybody would want either of these guys just on their own for i don't know a trade exception you know something you know just just yeah. seeing just hey does any, anybody want to fight Roy Hibbert for five million bucks um i mean the interesting thing i mean I, I, I just sort of cruised over right after the trade to the hornets basketball reference um site and 
I mean, neither guy has been like really bad this year. Haas hasn't shot well from three. I mean, statistically, both guys like look totally fine. Um, but you know, there's a reason, obviously, that they're not planning much, and why <laughs> the Charlotte. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's good reasons why the Charlotte Hornets wanted Miles Plumley, um, because um, as we were texting during the day, waiting for all this to go down, um, you know. We, we we marveled again at Michael Jordan's uh, <laughs> love of random white dudes, uh, which which I never really saw coming. But Miles um, Plumley following in the uh, the hallowed footsteps of Frank Kaminsky and uh, well and Spencer Hawes and uh, Cody Zeller, and obviously Cody Zeller as well. <laughs> they only have white bigs right now. Yeah, um, for some reason. And and hey, dial back to Adam Morrison, the first in the long line of, of <laughs> random white dudes that were ultimately disappointing for Michael Jordan's uh, Hornets, then Bobcats. Um, but, uh, and, I mean, I, I can guess I can talk myself into the idea that, you know, Kemba's such a pick-and-roll guy that this is a team where, you know, a, a, a diving, a rim-rolling pick-and-roll guy like Plums could actually work. Um, I'm totally so prepared for him I mean, to tear it up in Charlotte. I will say that. Yeah. I'm totally yeah, prepared I mean, for that, right? Like, that right. will happen. And their offense has been the problem. So I think they were looking for somebody who could maybe give them some type of, of lift. And obviously, whatever. It's like, you know, Miles Plumlee's not going to turn your offense around. But um, obviously, they they didn't see much in, in Haas and Hibbert. And I think when you then look at the flip side and you say, okay, well, this is a, a, you know, a salary dump move, right? And, and we obviously spent, I don't know how many months bemoaning Miles Plumlee's contract. You know, we we admittedly thought Plumlee could have a role on this team, could be the role-playing starter, could be a really nice role man for Giannis and Jabari. I mean, we saw that a week ago that yeah. all of a sudden Giannis and Jabari were throwing, you know, alley-oops and pocket passes to Plumlee when they hadn't really done that with anybody else with much regularity in the pick-and-roll. So um, so the Bucks lose that, uh, but obviously with Thon Maker getting run here and starting some games of late and Greg Monroe being the one fixture, you know, it didn't seem like obviously there was much room for Plumlee and especially when he's owed you know, whatever it is, 37, 38 million bucks over the next three years in addition to this one. Um, obviously, you look at the Bucks cap sheet and the fact that, you know, they're really going to have minimal flexibility moving forwards, uh, potentially even, you know, being in kind of luxury tax threatening uh, mode, uh, if not this summer, probably next summer, presuming Jabari Parker gets a huge extension. Um, you know, the mere fact that you're trading a guy making $12 million a year for the next four or for the next three years after this one, for uh, Roy Hibbert, who's making $5 million this year and then rolling off the books into free agency, and Spencer Hawes, who's making $6 million this year and next year, but has a player option. So he's going to be kind of in a weird spot where, you know, maybe he opts out, um, or who knows, maybe the Bucks find some other suitor for him before the trade deadline, tough to say. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird spot. It's, it's definitely an economic one, and for that reason, it's... Definitely kind of, I think, an, an open-shut good move because you get out from under that Plumlee contract. Um, you know, effectively, you're freeing up potentially his full va- his full salary of over $12 million next year. And obviously, the two years after that, you know, uh, Haas will, will definitely be off the books by then, barring some some strange turn of events. So um, so a good a good economic move for the Bucks. On the flip side, they didn't really need to give Miles Plumlee all that money in the first place. But again, John Hammond makes a bad move and then pulls a Houdini and figures out a way to undo uh, a move that maybe was not a good one in the first place. So 
um, you know, uh, one step backwards, one step forwards, I guess, uh, <laughs> in terms of this trade. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the reaction I've seen, uh, uh, one of the reactions I've seen on Twitter is, well, why should we congratulate John Hammond for getting rid of the terrible contract that he signed? And yeah, 100%. Like, it was a terrible contract, and I would say that we literally talked about it as a terrible contract since the moment it was signed. I don't think there's ever been a positive word said about that contract on this podcast, or really by Bucks fans in in general. So I get people wanting to continue to, to talk about how terrible it was and just kind of bemoan the fact that it was awful. I get that. But I do think we've spent enough time talking about it in the last month because, I mean, just bringing up Miles Plumley means you're essentially going to say, well, Miles Plumley and his monster contract. Like, that, that is kind of how all of us referred to Miles Plumley. It was difficult to talk about him without mentioning that contract. So uh, I know there's the reaction that, no, you can't congratulate John Hammond, but yeah, you can because thank God they're out from underneath that thing. Um, I mean, it, it's just huge. It, and I guess one thing people kept asking me on Twitter to, to clarify was with moving that plumbing contract, you have some cap flexibility. And people immediately were like, but that doesn't mean they have cap room. So, Frank, give me all of the cap details. Um, what does this mean exactly? Because I want to be clear about clap, cap flexibility, cap room, um, whatever, luxury tax, all those things. Just just give me a good, solid breakdown of that. Yeah, so we can kind of forget about this year, right? Because, I mean, this year doesn't matter. Um, they're not going to – they don't have cap space this year. It's, you know, and it doesn't – whatever. It is what it is this year. But – uh, next year, there are a couple key variables that are sort of outstanding, and I think this move also, I don't know if it clarifies them, but it, it does at least, you know, obviously moves them forward, gives them a bit more flexibility, as we said, um, with regard to some of the other variables that were out there. And obviously, we have a new variable in the sense, sense that we, in the sense, in the sense that we don't know what Spencer <laughs> Haas will do with his player option. Um, but let's kind of just look at it in sort of the uh, most expensive case scenario where Spencer Hawes does not opt out of his deal. He takes his player option. Um, in that event, you'd have, um, including Larry Sanders, don't forget about that other center the Bucks are still playing, um, you'd have $113 million committed to, um, to everybody, basically those, I guess it's uh, 12 guys. Uh, that's including Spencer, Hay- Spencer Hawes, Spencer Haywood, Spencer Hawes' player option. That's including Greg Monroe's player option of almost $18 million. And I'm also including a $7.1 million cap hold for Tony Snell, um, who is a restricted free agent. So the interesting thing here is that what Monroe does, what Hawes does, and what Snell does, um, all those things are important uh, in terms of where the Bucks actually end up cap-wise. So if they're at that $113 million mark, the cap right now has been projected at 103. I, I'm a little. I, I'm. I, I've been waiting for people to kind of start guessing that number will be higher, just because that number I believe is, is the same one number that was out there before the NBA got their new CBA. And there are there are some additional things that are now in basketball related income, and I haven't heard a good explanation for why the projection on the cap hasn't been raised as a result. 
because basically the cap is just a percentage of basketball related income that goes to players and that gets distributed through the cap. So, um, but let's assume it's 103 for now. Their total cap number with all that stuff is about 113. So they're over the cap by about 10 million and they're under the tax of 124 projected. Again, that could be higher if, if, um, you know, the cap goes up as well uh, by about 10 million. And the important thing to note here, so that doesn't include uh, their first round pick, which will have a cap hold. So that'll probably be, you know, depending on how high they pick, that'll be, you know, 2 million, 3 million. I'd have to look and see what the new um, rookie scale looks like for next year and, and where they end up. But, um, but effectively, you know, you have no cap space, but the mid-level exception is over $8 million projected next year. So as a result, you know, they could go out and spend $8 million a year on some free agent and still be under the tax just barely because of this deal, basically. Um, now, if you start peeling the onion back a little bit and you say, okay, what if Spencer Hawes opts out? Then you're down to $107 million. If, you, if Greg Monroe opts out, that's where things become interesting and you suddenly have flexibility because then you're at about $89 million, um, not including your, your first-round pick. Um, and so let's just say that's you know, a few million dollars more then then maybe you're looking at, you know, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 million dollars in cap space or so, um, which again, because the MLE, the mid-level exception is so high, right? Or is much higher. It's over 8 million previous years. It was under six. Um, because of that, you know, the benefit of cap space is lower because the difference between the MLE and your space is not as high. But, you know, again, you have 10 to 11 million dollars that you have to work with, um, you know, but you also want to be kind of careful because, again, you're, again, at this point, you presume that Jabari Parker or um, if you were ever to trade Jabari Parker, whoever you trade him for would make a ton of money. Um, so you obviously, your your salary structure will, will continue to go up. But when you look at the Bucks kind of room against where the projected tax is going to be, they have a lot more breathing room now than they would have if Miles Plumlee's contract was sitting on the books for $12 million a year. And, you know, especially if you have that number there and John Henson and if you had next year Greg Monroe, um, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense now to have even the centers that were on the Bucks roster yesterday when you have Thon Maker now suddenly getting minutes and obviously moving forward. Um, I'm sure the Bucks are, I, I would hope the Bucks are now also looking at options for moving John Henson because, you know, again, if Thon Maker is playing pretty well and looking like, you know, potentially your center of the future um, and who knows if Greg Monroe is going to be around, but um, you know, what is John Henson's role and is he basically just, you know, a less less interesting, older, much higher paid version of Thon Maker without a jump shot? So let's continue down this pathway. I hate to make you continue to explain cat minutia, but I have a secret feeling that you actually enjoy it. Um, so uh, the... I think it's pretty public. My enjoyment. <laughs> OK, so we're talking about flexibility. And you said this gives them some flexibility with that added cap room. What would that flexibility possibility possibly mean? So what could they do with that flexibility that they wouldn't have been able to do before moving Plumlee today? Well, I think the, the way I've been viewing it is that to have any meaningful space this coming summer, the Bucks were basically too two salary dumps away from being able to do anything. And the the big obvious one is Greg Monroe just opts out, right, where they don't mm-hmm. have to do anything or if they trade him for an expiring contract or something. Um, that's the big one. But then the other one was, you know, can you trade Henson or any of the other guys making similar money? Plumlee, we've been assuming, and this is, and we should note, I mean, we I, I did not think that Miles Plumlee, 
I thought Miles Plumlee could not be traded for ex- effectively expiring contracts. I did. I, I did not think there was a team that, given his contract, would take that on. But shout out to Michael Jordan and Rich Cho and Charlotte. The Milwaukee Bucks say thank you. Um, you know what? I, I feel like people it. don't appreciate MJ enough. If there's one thing people don't do, <laughs> it's appreciate MJ enough. Uh, can we get some people to make some tribute videos, something? But man, shout out to him. He's killing it. Yeah, I don't know. We I, I haven't seen any like. Miles Plumley crying Jordan uh, memes <laughs> yet, but we'll see if that happens. But, um, but effectively now like, you've gotten that that one big contract that you're out from under, and you know again I would view John Henson's contract as more favorable than Plumley's just because he's younger, and I think you can at least hope that maybe somebody out there looks at him as a good defensive center slash rim yeah. protector, which Plumley really wasn't, um, but he is obviously sort of a rim rolling specialist, which which has value in the modern NBA, apparently. Um, <laughs> the Bucks and and uh, and Hornets both thought so. So um, so I think what's really interesting, though, is, I mean, it, it, if you also got out from John Henson's contract some way, and again, I mean, it's not like you have to trade John Henson for like an expiring contract or something like that, but um, but if you did move him and say you moved him for, for short-term salary or something like that, um, you know, then your cap sheet is is even cleaner long term because Henson's owed about eleven million next year, and then his deal is declining. So kudos to the Bucks for structuring it that way. Uh, about ten and a half million in the eighteen nineteen season, and under ten million in the twenty nineteen twenty season, which is when Chris Middleton presumably will be um, opting out of his deal uh, the summer of twenty nineteen and looking for a new contract. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, again, it's you know, uh, you don't want to like do backflips over the bucks sort of undoing some of their maybe over exuberant uh previous contract extensions but um but obviously i think it's a positive and uh, i think this summer again it's it doesn't necessarily change that much as i mentioned if you could get rid of henson for an expiring contract then you could actually have pretty significant like you know i'm I'm just gonna do some quick math you're like you know if you even with with snell on the books um, you know, you could have potentially over 20 million in cap space um, if you got rid of Henson and Monroe, and you've now got Haas opting out. So if all those things happened, then suddenly you'd have, I think, maybe closer to 25 million in cap space. Um, but obviously, you'd still have to move Henson for, you know, basically expirings. Haas would have to opt out, Monroe would have to opt out. So suddenly, just like the more things become possible, and probably longer term, the bigger deal is just that um, you do have more flexibility in terms of um, not facing as, as much of an imminent threat uh, in terms of the luxury tax, which hopefully the cap will go up enough that you know the bucks would have been clear there anyway. But um, but certainly in the grand scheme of things, um, this is a, a, a sigh of relief uh, for any of us who who spend our time looking at you know. Google spreadsheets, as I do with uh, the Bucks salary, with the Bucks salary numbers in it. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think you know a, a tip of the cap move um, by the Bucks, and um, I don't know a- any any other minutia you want to go over. Yeah, or I got some more. Do you want to talk about? Ba- do you want to talk about actual basketball playing? That please no, please God no, might- no, <laughs> no. I'm not interested in that at all. Um, so I think one thing that has been interesting since the start of the season is, I know we talked about it the day the trade happened, but when Tony Snell came to Milwaukee, we both kind of talked about, hey, do you sign him up now when maybe he doesn't have a ton of value and you can get him cheap? I don't, I don't even know what you would think, like three for 15, three for 18, something like that, or maybe even cheaper, three for 12, three for 15, something like that. 
do we sign them up cheap? And if you sign them up cheap, then uh, does that obviously help you going forward? Obviously, we're past that point. Uh, and I think as Snell has played better this year, uh, I think the the price range the contract that you're gonna have to sign them to that's probably moved up a little bit um and i think when the bucks did have Plumley, that was that was more of an issue i mean no matter what they could have they could have kept snell right obviously they would just have gone further over kind of capped themselves even more um because you can sign your own guys but this makes a snell mm-hmm. contract not a huge snell contract but going up to i don't know eight million per year that makes it a little bit more palatable right yeah i mean that's probably the the biggest thing right because because if monroe let, let's say monroe looks at his options and says you know what i'd rather make 18 million dollars next year than um take a pay cut even if it is, does mean locking in longer term salary which i think is what would happen just because i don't i don't think a team is going to sign greg monroe to be a starting center and um i i just i don't think especially even though last summer there were obviously a ton of huge contracts given out many of them looking very bad <laughs> joking noah um <laughs> i i don't think that somebody's going to take the plunge on monroe just just given the modern nba thing as well as he's played you know i just i just i would just have this feeling that that teams probably look at him as you know kind of what he's become for the bucks is probably his best role so um still i mean you know you could opt to go and sign you know the three-year, $42 million deal somewhere or something like that. Who knows? Maybe the Bucks would even do something like that. But um, but ultimately, sure, uh, if 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 Monroe uh, did stick around and Haas is still on the books, then, you know, if if you look at Tony Snell's cap hold, right now it's $7.1 million. Um, you know, if you add basically the extra um, money that, that Plumlee makes over potentially Haas's option being next year, about $6 million, um, you're right at, up at near 120 And then you throw on a first-round pick, you're up into the low 120s, and suddenly you're near where the tax threshold is currently projected to be. So, you know, if you pay Tony Snell more than $7 million, all of a sudden, you know, you're scraping right up against the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, this is not a team that, <laughs> that I think you'd look at and say, yeah, you want to pay the luxury tax no, yeah, to no. field this team. I mean, that's that's not what you where you want to be, especially given that, you know, you haven't even gotten Jabari Parker under a long term deal. You know, only Giannis is on his, his rookie extension at that point. So um, so that that I think it is definitely an important point. This move definitely makes it very easy to, you know, retain Tony Snell. Um, so if the Bucks pay Tony Snell like they paid Miles Plumley, i.e., too much, um, then you know that would have been a bad situation if you still had Miles Plumley on this roster. Um, as it stands, uh, doing that maybe affects your ability to use the full mid-level exception of of over eight million. Um, but you know, again, uh, I think if you're the Bucks, you're hoping that the salary cap goes up more than maybe people expect. And you hope that the fact that Tony Snell, as a restricted free agent, that as much as he has played much better basketball in Milwaukee, he's been way more efficient. Um, I think he's found a really nice role here. You obviously would hope that uh, he will not be topping any team's free agent list. And again, you know, as a restricted free agent, it's pretty rare that teams kind of go out and, um, you know, try to pry those guys away unless they're like really kind of, you know, top guys. And um, and you know whatever there, there there are a lot of kind of interesting names hitting free agency sort of among wings this year um, and there's less cap space to begin with 
this year than than last year when the cap went up so much that basically everybody had max cap room so um i think uh, it'll be interesting to see sort of that that's probably my biggest question going into the summer other than will monroe opt out is you know what kind of becomes of tony snell I'm, i i have to think the bucks will want to keep him um you know even if chris middleton comes back healthy uh because obviously having depth on the wing uh, is is a big plus and and obviously Snell is a guy who has shown he can he can play a role and and be the type of complimentary guy who um, you know as we said three uh, and D guys are have become very valuable and you you know obviously the hope is that he's not just enjoying a uh, a contract year that that he won't replicate moving forward. All right, one last cap minutia uh, detail and then we'll try to talk some basketball. Um, try to keep it short. Try to keep it succinct, Frank. Um, the mid level exception the MLE when can I use it and why can I use it so uh, we are actually talking on Twitter today some um, and and I think people sometimes don't realize so basically every team if you're not a taxpayer every team gets the mid-level exception um, but you only really need it if you are over the cap um, so effectively uh, when a team when you're looking at whether a team has cap space you add up all their player salaries and all their exceptions, including like trade exceptions, including mid-level exception, the biannual exception, which is smaller. Um, and then that number you basically compare to where they are against the cap. And, um, you know, so it's sort of one of those things. So if you're over the cap with all your exceptions, um, then you would look at where you'd be if you dropped all those exceptions. And if you mean, if you get tons of cap room by renouncing all those exceptions, then you would do that. And then you have more cap space by not having them. So the bucks, you know, again, unless Monroe opts out, um, unless Hawes does not take his deal, uh, they will have more to gain by keeping the mid-level exception. Uh, and again, this is all assuming that the cap is around 103 million. Um, in which case, they'll have basically this eight million dollar, um, you know, chip to to go to free agents with and say, hey, we're going to offer you, um, you know, a mul- we can offer you a multi-year deal for starting at eight million dollars a year and. You know, again, that's not that much different than potentially the cap space they might have uh, in the event that those guys uh, both opt out to become free agents. So, um, in all likelihood, the Bucks will have that mid-level exception of eight million dollars to spend on free agents. And assuming they don't totally overpay, um, you know, uh, Tony Snell, they will probably be able to to use it. And um, obviously, we'll see uh, what what they might do with it. The, the the history of the Bucks and many other teams using the mid-level exception has not always been great um, <laughs> because, again, it's usually going after sort of veteran free agents who aren't aren't great, uh, couldn't get big money offers, you know, are free agents, meaning they're older or weren't wanted by their original teams, and um, so that makes it kind of difficult to use. But, uh, again, it's, it's a pretty key tool to have if you're a team that um, is over the cap. Frank, you amaze me every time we talk salary cap and... Uh, trade rules and all sorts of things um damn it and i got one more question um haas and hibbert can they be traded immediately um is there any waiting period anything like that um unless i don't think the rules have changed around that um they can be traded immediately but they can't be used to aggregate salary for matching purposes what does that Um, mean so um if i recall the rule correctly basically if there's like a uh, let's say a let, let's say there's a uh, another Plumley brother out there making twelve million dollars a year, um, <laughs> and you had to package together two contracts of five or six million dollars in order to acquire that guy. Um, you know, which is basically what we saw happen mm-hmm. today uh, to make the salaries match. You wouldn't be able to do that. However, 
you could, if for instance you wanted to trade Roy Hibbard and Spencer Hawes to another team that had, say, two guys making $5 million a year, because you could disaggregate that trade into two one-for-one trades, you could do that deal, if that makes sense. Okay. So basically, the bottom line is you have to make, you have to be able to make their individual salaries work in legal trades with another team. So you could trade them to a team with a $6 million trade. You know, you could trade mm-hmm. Hibbert to a team with a $5 million trade exception or something like that. Um, you could trade Hibbert to a team with cap space, although I don't know why any team with cap space would want Roy <laughs> Hibbert because you're probably the Philadelphia 76ers and Lord knows you don't need Roy Hibbert. But um, but anyway, so I don't know. And, and let me let me get your guess on this. I, my guess is the Bucks have seven games up until the all-star break so seven games up until um the trade deadline which i think is over some at some point i forget what the date but at some at some point over all-star week right yeah i think um, it's like the wednesday or thursday maybe 17th or something like that yeah i don't know, I don't know. Or maybe no maybe i don't know anyway um <laughs> sometime in there uh so i i don't know I mean, my guess is you know, they, they obviously I don't think they would have waived Novak if they were intending to buy out one of these guys now because you would have just presumably, I don't know, try to negotiate that in advance. And then, um, you know, it's not like you're up against the trade deadline as is. So presumably they're going to keep both of these guys for at least a couple weeks and wait by the phone, maybe make some calls, see if anybody yeah. is interested in a, you know, free Roy Hibbert or free Spencer Hawes. Um, and I have no idea if there are any teams out there that actually want either guy. Um, as we said, you know, Roy Hibbert, ironically, Roy Hibbert actually looked really good on opening night against the Bucks. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, he did. He, uh, he stuffed Giannis at the rim. He scored, I think a number of points on like rolls. Yeah, um, no, he was, he was good. So, I mean, if you played sort of a more conservative style defense where, you know, you could basically just zone drop your center and he didn't have to move around much. Um, you know, maybe there is still some way to to play Roy Hibbert, but certainly in kind of today's NBA, with the way the Bucks continue to try to play defense, um, and more importantly with Thon Maker and Greg Monroe, it's kind of the obvious guys that you want to play minutes. Um, I, I don't think Bucks fans will be thrilled if they see either Roy Hibbert or Spencer Hawes on the court, for that matter. Um, Hawes, I will say this about Hawes. I mean, he's a good passer and a good. I mean, historically, he's been a good shooting big man. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you could talk yourself into, hey, suddenly those you know push sets where the big guy touches the ball <laughs> like twenty feet from the hoop. Maybe those vaguely make sense with Spencer Haas on the court. Yeah. But um, in general, obviously Haas is you know nothing special. He's always on. He's always uh, Spencer Haas is always you know good enough that somebody is okay acquiring him, but always bad enough that he's always available via trade. So um, I, I will not. Uh, whatever their basketball reference pages mates might say about them being decent, I will not tell Bucks fans that they should expect anything from either guy because, you know, let's let's just be honest. This is a salary dump. I think we'll see some DNPs for both of those guys. Um, and and like you said, I I assume that they're gonna hold on to those guys up until the trade deadline to try to try to see if there's another taker out there. Um, but I. I I would guess that Hibbard's probably a buyout candidate um, as we get closer, um, or I guess past the trade deadline, or however buyouts work. You understand it. Um, but 
they'll try to trade him when he's available to be traded. And then uh, I think he'll be a buyout candidate. And maybe Novak takes that spot back, or maybe Novak's already found a job as a shooting coach with the Bucks, and they can use that on a talented youngster from they pick from the D-League or something of that nature. Um, but, yeah, no, neither of those guys are – there's not an impact to be made on the floor. Um, someone – asked me, well, what, what, what do you, what's your takeaway from this? And I said, well, it's a great trade and the team has not gotten any better. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and I truly believe that I think it's a great trade, but the bucks are not better, uh, for it. it. It doesn't help the team. And I don't think it hurts the team. It just removes some of the cap space that they had, uh, years in the future. Um, let's talk Bucks next game. They have two of them coming up Friday and Saturday. Um, we'll try to keep these previews relatively short because we got deep into that cap minutia, but that's the way I like it because um, I like having Frank around and giving him a chance to show off a little bit. Um, so Friday against the Nuggets, uh, everyone on the Nuggets is available um, if you're curious. Uh, we have Wilson Chandler. Be a, tra- be a trade. Correct. Be a trade, not not to play. Correct. Wilson Chandler um, via Sam Amick uh, it says he wants out of Denver before the fe- February 23rd trade deadline. There's, that's the date, February 23rd. Um, and uh, Emmanuel Moutier, uh, the Nuggets are, quote-unquote, quietly exploring what they might get for Emmanuel Moutier. That's from Zach Lowe, but obviously if – I don't know how quietly you're doing it if I'm – currently reading that rumor um so do you want do you want emmanuel Moutier? no he's available i'm okay okay Okay. um so yeah those guys are available via trade um uh, there's been rumors for i think just about every nuggets player nurkic um as well so the nuggets are trying to figure out what they are who they are who they want to keep, what they want to keep. Um, so they're figuring that out. So they're just kind of in the news all the time. Um, taking a look at their injury report uh, for Friday, uh, Danilo Gallinari will be out for sure. Uh, that's with the left groin sprain. Uh, Nikola Jokic has been upgraded to questionable on a left hip flexor strain. Uh, Will Barton, questionable. Moutier, low back pain, questionable. Um, Fareed, left hamstring, soreness, probable. So um, it looks like Jokic will be back. I think that seems seems somewhat likely. At least Adam Maraz of uh, Lockdown Nuggets would suggest that. Why, if, you're, if you're a team playing the Bucks at this point, why would you ever risk anybody against the Bucks? Because Lord knows the Bucks play against... You know, half strength <laughs> rosters every night, and they still don't win. I somebody, mean, somebody you, asked me. After. You brought about it the other night. Every team, every team the Bucks play gets Bucks flu. You know, yeah. DeRozan, Avery Bradley, Al Horford. Um, I don't know. I forget like five other dudes that that they that they ducked. Um, Embiid, they didn't play. They lose all these games. Doesn't matter. Jokic, Nikola, Jokic, Nikola, don't don't come back. You don't need to come back for this game. Come on, take it easy. Jeez. Um, I you got a hip flexor. <laughs> Don't rush it. <laughs> I quote tweeted the injury report, and I forgot who tweeted at me. It was like, "Oh, bad news for the Bucks." I was like, "I don't know. Does it? There's guys missing all the time, and the Bucks lose the team. So I don't know what's good news or bad news." Uh, so that's Friday. Uh, Nuggets have been scoring 
uh, a little bit better lately. Defense has been uh, a bit in shambles. So, like I said the other night, maybe this is the game uh, Jabari and Giannis can get their groove back. Uh, at least, certainly, I I hope this is this is the one because it'd be great to see those two play at a high level again. Yeah, I need I need a thirty point game from Giannis in the worst way. Agreed. Just give me that. Just give me, I don't even need the Bucks to win. I don't even care. Just whatever. I'll I'll just watch Tankathon.com, <laughs> but don't deny me my Giannis monster stat lines. That's what that's what hurt the most about the Utah game. Just seeing Giannis kind of slum his way to those nine points. It just uh just hurt my heart. That, so um so yeah, we'll see. I mean the, the Nuggets the Nuggets have been scoring a ton, they've been giving up a ton. Um they are kind of a strange team. I don't know if the Bucks keep up with them. Um but uh at a minimum you look at that roster and you think, well, hopefully hopefully Giannis can can get off and, and uh and do some stuff and hopefully Jabari can can break out of his shooting slump. He hasn't hit a three in like four games. Um and uh yeah, I don't know, we'll see. Mile mile high city, Bucks playing at altitude in Utah. Didn't exactly uh, work out so well, but uh, again, obviously, this is uh, not a not as strong a team as, as the Jazz. I, I think that's been the thing that's hurt the most in this losing streak is that Bucks fans are used to losing. Plain and simple, they've seen losses, they've seen losing streaks, they've seen a team play terrible basketball for a month, but they've never had at least one star, if not two young stars or say Giannis a superstar Jabari a star but they've never had stars while watching that or at least they haven't had that in a while and man it was just it's such a shock to the system to see them to see Giannis and Jabari play as poorly as they have been and lose games because you know what we've learned we've learned how to persevere we know that Dawkins is going to cut up the all the highlights after the game. We can get through by one one tab on Tankathon, the other tab on Dawkins MTA, just watching all of the highlight videos for those guys. We know how to persevere. We can do that. But for the last week, we we haven't even had those highlight videos. So um, you're like we're like those uh, like those bacteria that live in like you know trenches <laughs> in the deepest part of the oceans, you know, and there's no light. And somehow these little like bacteria like exist Correct. and thrive. That's, that's us, fans. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah, that's us. So we do, man. We survive. That's that's how we live. And <laughs> you know, we suddenly got a little blast of sunlight, and obviously now we're pissed off. But um, but you know, just just give us give us Giannis Jabbar doing stuff. Give us Thon knocking down threes. Um, you know, if Jason Kidd's gonna you know preside over the team being run into the ground then maybe this summer brings some changes which i'm sure a lot of people would be okay with um but whatever you know uh, what whatever it's going to be let's let's just get to it um but let's just make sure that the young guys uh aren't looking depressed and sad while they're doing it because because i need i i, I don't, in turn that makes you depressed I, and sad yeah and i as much as I, I i feel like you can at least you know bring a smile to Giannis's <laughs> face in the locker room with your questions as you did last weekend um i, I don't feel comfortable relying on eric name to to keep Giannis's spirits up so um let's let's hope his game 
uh, can do that's that. That's totally fair. I don't want that responsibility either. So uh, that's going to be it for us today on Locked On Bucks. Hopefully, all of your cap questions, cap concerns uh, have been answered. And if they haven't, well, send us some tweets and we'll try to get to them. I don't know at some point. Um, maybe Frank can just stew on them and then he can do his own podcast, not on Locked On Bucks, Cap Minutia, Locked On Cap Minutia. I don't know, something like that. Um, but that's going to be it for us. For Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. This has been Locked On Bucks. We'll talk to you on Monday.